And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Shamrock, brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on-demand. Learn more at directtv.com. I'm Pete Sampson, joined by my co-host Matt Fortuna. The morning after the first playoff rankings came out, which I think was a bit of a, I don't know, a bucket of cold water in the face of Notre Dame when it comes to the their playoff chances. Not that we didn't know it was a long shot, but... It gave you a, a way to measure how long of a shot it actually was, and it is quite long um, for Notre Dame to make the top four. But, Matt, I think you and I would both be in agreement that the season, if it ends in the New Year's Six, would be a positive and a step forward, whether they're 11-1 or 10-2. and um, But I think after the playoff rankings came out last night, even 10-2, and Man, that, that feels a little bit more dodgy when it comes to the playoff um, than it did going into it, at least from my point of view. Yeah, it was um, much like the rest of the country. Notre Dame fans were tuned in to see what would happen with Cincinnati and hoping for the best case scenario, which I think a lot of people's minds would have been number two. Um, yeah. And Cincinnati was not two, not three, not four, not even five, but six, which... It, is about the worst case scenario you could possibly hope for if you're a Notre Dame fan and you're holding on to the, the, the faintest of hopes that there was a path forward to college football playoff eligibility this year. I did get a kick out of like the minute that uh, the rankings got released, Cincinnati uh, Media Relations put out their uh, game notes via, via email and it said second rate Bearcats <laughs> take on Tulsa and had a sub out saying the Bearcats were also ranked number six in the college football playoff uh, rankings on Tuesday night. It was. Um, I was surprised. Here's I'm not surprised that the group of five is getting the, the stiff arm. Um, that's essentially what's happened every single week. They've been doing this for the last seven and a half years now. Um, so it, it wasn't surprise surprising in that regard. But surprising is like reading between the lines and projecting forward and looking at Cincinnati's remaining schedule and Notre Dame's by extension. Like there's no shot whatsoever. Uh, like even Oklahoma's eight. Wake Forest is nine. Both those teams, I think, if they win out, will get in. It is not elite as they have looked so far, but they have perfect records. Um, I thought Cincinnati would be in the top four in this week's poll, if only this week's poll. College could game you, day. I, yeah, I mean, just like, couldn't you give us a little red meat on the well, on the, the rankings this well, week? College football Pete, playoff committee? Pete, they're going to game, game day's going to Cincinnati for the first time this week. That's They're going to get booed. Like, <laughs> I know ESPN doesn't make the rankings, but I've worked there. The fans don't know the difference, and I don't blame them because it's so closely intertwined. Like, especially when they start talking about playoff stuff on game day on Cincinnati's campus for the first time ever. Like, usually that's a moment of celebration when game day comes to town. They're gonna get booed. Um, like, I thought they would have like thrown them like the committee, whoever, would thrown them a bone. Like you said, like, all right, you beat Notre Dame on the road by double digits. Like right now, you're in good shape. Like. SMU losing, the rest of the AAC not being great. Like, 
tough luck the rest of the way, but right now you're okay. In some ways, maybe this is just like peeling the Band-Aid off quicker, right? Like, hey, you don't have a chance. You never had a chance. Haha. Like, get, <laughs> like, you don't have to to hold out hope the rest of the season. Like, this is what it is, and there's no way it's going to change. Fortunately for Cincinnati, they're going to the Big 12 in a couple of years. And hopefully, if the leadership of the sport can get out of its own way, the field will be expanded in due time to 12 teams. But um, for, for the sake and purposes of Notre Dame fans uh, – not that it's a huge downer, but it's about the worst case scenario as you could have possibly projected. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I agree with all that. I mean, for Notre Dame, I wrote about this on the Athletic. Just like I, tr- and I almost stopped writing it halfway through because I was just like, "This is ridiculous." What <laughs> but am the I headline doing? What, gives it away. <laughs> what am I doing here, trying to explain how Notre Dame can make the playoff? But basically, what you need is you need Wisconsin to win the Big Ten West and the Big Ten Championship. You need Ohio State to make the Big Ten Championship where they lose to Wisconsin. What I didn't expect to put in there is you need Cincinnati to implode because I thought Notre Dame's best chance was to make the playoff with Cincinnati, not instead of Cincinnati. But considering how the committee views the Bearcats, Notre Dame just needs them to get out of the way. Um, And then you need a really specific round-robin vibe happening in the Big 12 because – yeah, it's a, I think Notre Dame fans, you're probably looking at like, well, Oklahoma is eight. And the real problem is Oklahoma State and Baylor are 11 and 12. Right. Um, and they all play each other moving moving on here. So it's um, that is very difficult for Notre Dame. Wake Forest, I feel like if they went 13 and 0, the committee would probably put them in over an 11 to 1 Notre Dame. I don't think that they should. Yeah. Probably, but there, I mean, that, NC State and Pitt, or NC State and Pitt. Well, NC State's still on Wake Forest schedule. Pitt would presumably yeah. be the ACC title game opponent. They're both ranked. That's not insignificant when trying to project where Wake Forest. And then when it, they have to win at Clemson, um, that's not which that is, hard this year, Pete. <laughs> if you're Wake Forest, I don't think you're going to take like, oh, we're just going to crush Clemson. They're um, underdogs at, at North Carolina this week. Wake Forest is. That, that yeah, is. I mean that is that actually is probably where you can nip that in the bud this weekend is Wake Forest losing at North Carolina because um, I think North Carolina is actually. Well, they were pretty good last weekend. Um, they have not been pretty good every time they've played, so we'll see. But uh, it's just the path for Notre Dame to make it is so. I mean, it's like if you feel like you're betting a ten-team parlay um, when you're trying to put together Notre Dame's path. Now, Notre Dame's path to the New York Six, I think, is also a little bit tricky um, because if you lose a second game then I think you're falling behind some teams that aren't going to win their conference who don't play in a conference championship game and you're not going to be able to claw your way out of it. Um, Like Notre Dame falling behind Auburn. Well, Auburn's probably going to lose to Alabama. But, you know, Notre Dame falling behind Texas A&M because Texas A&M will have beaten Alabama and Notre Dame's best win would be Virginia, North Carolina. Auburn plays A&M this week, so one will be in good shape and one will probably be out of sight, out of mind. After yeah, but the but the one that's in good shape will be the one that Notre Dame would fall behind and probably couldn't get out from, especially if A and M wins this weekend. Um, right. You know, Auburn falls out of the way entirely, so it's it's just a difficult it's a difficult spot for Notre Dame to be. Like, is is Notre Dame going to get in over a you know if Michigan loses to Ohio State the way they lost to um, Michigan State? Like, is Notre Dame going to climb over Michigan? Probably not. Um, you know, then a ten and two Michigan would go over a ten and two Notre Dame. So it's, I think there's just a, 
it's a weird year. It's been a great year to watch and cover. Um, but as the rubber started to hit the road on bull bids and where Notre Dame could go and where they can't go, um, the playoff is farther away than I would have thought. And the New Year's Six, I think, is more tenuous than I would have thought um, before Tuesday night. Yeah, I, I think based on, and I know these things, you know, it's a new body of work that is looked at every single week. It's not like, oh, you know, Cincinnati was six. They won this week. We're going to move them up to five this week or, or you know, whatever potential scenario you may want to drop in your head. These things are new every single week. There's as predictive as they look. Um that could change. That being said, I mean, based on the first rankings last night, I think Notre Dame's going to jump a one-loss Cincinnati if Cincinnati loses the game, uh, assuming Notre Dame wins out, um, especially with and, and Notre Dame's schedule isn't anything to, to write home about right now, but it's definitely tougher than Cincinnati's in the AAC the rest of the way. Um, as far as surprises, Michigan at seven was honestly the biggest surprise to me uh, of any one team. I, I figured the loser of Michigan, Michigan State, would be out of sight, out of mind. Um, and Michigan's still there at seven. Now, they still got to go to Penn State. They still got to host Ohio State. They're going to lose at least one of those, if not both of those. And I look, I don't want to take away from Michigan for taking care of business and winning the games they were supposed to win before Michigan State. But you, you look at who they played and some of those close games. I mean, the only top 20 offense they played was Nebraska, who's no one's idea of this elite program right now and who gave the mm-hmm. game literally – wrap the game into Michigan's hands for them uh, in the fourth quarter that night. So Michigan at seven shocks me. Oklahoma at eight was a little surprising just because it's a big brand. They're undefeated, and they haven't had a bye yet. They've played one more game than everyone else, and that extra data point, at least right now, doesn't seem to mean a damn thing. Uh, but but I do think the Big 12, as you alluded to, is in good shape because you got three top 12 teams. They all got to play each other. And even if, you know, in the case of Oklahoma, which is undefeated, if they lose one of them, they're probably going to get a rematch in the Big 12 title game. And I, I think a 12-1 Big 12 champ, whoever it is, is most likely going to be in the college football playoff. Yeah, I, I agree with that entirely. I think Oklahoma really – I don't know if they, they do need to win out um, to make the playoff. I think 12-1 would probably get them there. Or whoever the Big 12 champ is probably gets there at 12-1. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, as far as Notre Dame goes, it's uh, if you've been following college football um, closely, you know you know the sport is having a real one when it comes to recruiting. You had Dan Mullen kind of like losing the plot in Gainesville, refusing to talk about recruiting, um, refusing to talk at all. <laughs> yeah, and then cutting off media access entirely. You had Jimmy Lake. I don't know what his story was at Washington, <laughs> trying to pick a fight with Oregon, who is really kind of punk them in recruiting. And then Lake draws Notre Dame into it saying, like, 
um, you know, they're trying to recruit against schools with economic prowess. I'll read the quote because it's just so like, what are you talking about? That uh, It's talking about the recruiting rival between Oregon and Washington. That is way more pumped up than it is. Our battles are really the schools that we go against have academic prowess. Like the University of Washington, Notre Dame, Stanford, USC, we go with all we go with a lot of battles toe to toe all the way to the end with those schools. So I think that's made up and pumped up in the media's <laughs> world. In our world, we battle more academically prowess teams. Um, and that is, and then today on the Athletic, Bill Landis, who covers Ohio State for us, we did a bit of a roundtable, um, sort of assessing a recruiting rivalry that I think Notre Dame would be well-served to lean into more, even if they lose more than they win against Ohio State. Um, sort of looking at some of the prospects they're going head-to-head with, not only in the recent past, but in the 22, 23, even 24 cycles, uh, and what that will mean to both programs. Obviously, Brennan Vernon is a, a five-star defensive end from Ohio that shocked a lot of people when he picked Notre Dame over Ohio State. Uh, you know, the Marcus Freeman dynamics, the Tony Alford dynamics, there's a lot of crossover and then obviously they play, actually play two games on the field uh, in each of the next two years. So it's Matt. I don't know if you had a chance to read that, but like with recruiting and, and where Notre Dame is right now, what what are you sort of what's your sort of your feeling on like the state of that department at Notre Dame as it relates to the teams they're aspiring to beat in the college football playoff? Yeah, I do want to back up one second and go back to the Jimmy Lake thing before we dive into Notre Dame and Ohio State. I just want <laughs> there's to a lot. It. There's a lot in the Jimmy Lake. There's thing. a lot in there. Um, you had a funny tweet about what if John Jenkins said what the Oregon president <laughs> said to John Canzano of the Oregonian, and and Canzano had a, a great line that I want to share here that I just could not read without laughing. Uh, he was he basically called him criticizing Jimmy Lake for his comments that he said. Uh, I asked Oregon's coach last week what he looks for when he's recruiting a player. Cristobal said, "Quote." Can he not live without football? Because that's how I always felt growing up. I could not live without it. I remember my mom wanted to throw her shoe at me in church because I prayed for the Steelers to win instead of our family to be healthy. End quote. Canzano. Lake just picked a fight with that guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not quite Brian Kelly versus Derek Mason because Derek Mason didn't have the chops at Vanderbilt on the field uh, that Mario Cristobal has uh, at, at Oregon right now. But uh, that, that one... Definitely had me laughing yesterday, along with all the other absurdities that happened in the sport and this week. And we're only at Wednesday. Um, to your God, original this, question, God, college football is so good. We, uh, we haven't even talked about pole assassins or pole dancing, which is another uh, <laughs> another podcast for another day, probably on another network. But um, definitely much later in our recording time too. <laughs> um, look, I I read your uh, your roundtable with Bill Landis, our Ohio State writer. Um, and I come away from that, I wouldn't say great, but I feel better if I'm Notre Dame. Like you, like you had the excerpt that I screenshotted and tweeted out comparing Notre Dame's essentially raw talent on the right. roster to Georgia's this week. And you read that and it's just so sobering to see those numbers, um, uh, in print and, you know, the, the Twitter mob had its way with it. A million people took it a million different directions. I'm not saying any of them are wrong. I just think a lot of that can be interpreted in a lot of different ways. Um, I, I think we, we both made it very clear. This coaching staff, at least in the post-2016 era, has done a phenomenal job of getting, if not the most, damn near close to it, out of almost every player on this roster every single year. I mean, you look at the recruiting rankings, you look at the playoff rankings, and there's an outlier there in 2018 and 2020, and it's Notre Dame. 
uh, you know, based on recruiting rankings, they do not belong in the playoff with the Ohio States of the world, the Clemson's of the world, the Alabama's of the world. Um, I do think they're upgrading in that department. Um, I think the the numbers and some of the anecdotes you and Bill Landis share in the story um, shows how Notre Dame is, if not scaring Ohio State, at least the team, the program that Ohio State is noticing and is aware of, and it's they're rattling their cage out, a, a little bit. They are. Yeah, they're not and, like no, Ohio State shouldn't be scared of anyone, and they're not. But like, they would be foolish not to be like, what the hell is going on in Notre Dame right now? Like Notre Dame is making them at least notice. Yes, and you know the the one that I think it was the last question in your your Q and A. I mean, Carnell Tate is the one who, and I don't know where he's going to go, but if Notre Dame were to get him over Ohio State, and look, I, I I'm familiar with Carnell Tate pretty well. He played at Marist High School, which was coached by my cousin at one point. Like, uh, it, it, but the the fact that a Midwest receiver of his caliber would go anywhere than other than Ohio State, just based on the way Ohio State has recruited that position really since Ryan Day and Brian Hartline took over at wide receiver coach, um, that would be a statement win for Notre Dame. I don't know if it's going to happen, but the fact that we're still talking about it, um, I think it's, it's pretty eye-opening uh, among several other anecdotes that you have in, in that story. Yeah, it's, I, I mean, I think one of the one of the takeaways that I would, I would like to see Notre Dame lean into more is just these getting away from fit as a reason why kids don't come here. Um, where like that's the point of recruiting is to convince guys that are fit that they are fits when they don't see it. I think right. that's what Marcus Freeman has done an incredible job of since he came here. You know, to recruit somebody like Jalen Sneed from South Carolina, who right now is the fourth highest rated linebacker in the rankings era that Notre Dame has signed behind Jalen Smith, Manti Teo, and Ishak Williams, uh, and will probably be knocked down a peg tonight. Um, when Drake Bowen, who is a five-star 2023 linebacker, makes his decision among Notre Dame, Clemson, and Auburn, Notre Dame is a heavy, heavy favorite. He's from Andrean, which is an hour from here, basically, um, towards Chicago. So that's somebody Notre Dame should get. Uh, Marcus Freeman, I think, is dispelling the whole idea that, like, fit is the end all be all like you have to recruit them to see for them to see themselves as fits and when you talk to people around ohio state and they talk and, and they sort of hear this the fit talk from notre dame they're like well wait a minute and they'll they will run down their roster and like there are so many notre dame fits on ohio state's right. roster that notre dame just they weren't competitive with whether they didn't try or whether the the prospects in question just didn't want to do a smaller school in Indiana opposed to a bigger school in a bigger city. Like all, all they're n- you're not going to hit a hundred percent on all those, but there are just too many examples of kids on the Ohio state roster who are elite recruits that Notre Dame just wasn't able to find the right chord to strike with. Um, but I think somebody like, um, you know, Brennan Vernon is the, the counter to that, that you recruited him the, the right way and figured out what matters to him and differentiated yourself against Ohio state. Like that, that story needs to play out more. Carnell Tate would be one of those stories for sure. Um, Dante Moore, the quarterback from Michigan would could be one of those stories. Sonny styles could be one of those stories. Who's the younger brother of Lorenzo styles and Lorenzo styles actually talked to the media last night was the first, first freshman on this roster to do so. And we talked a little bit about his recruitment and, 
the a little bit about the negative recruiting of how much he heard that freshman receivers just don't play at Notre Dame. Um, you know, his relationship with his brother as well. So it's there's just a lot to it. But to me, it's just like the more Notre Dame picks fights with Ohio State in recruiting, are you going to lose more than you win? Yeah, for sure. But the more fights you pick, the more chances you have to steal somebody or you know get get another Brendan Vernon here or there. And the more often that happens for Notre Dame, the better off they're going to be. No question. There's a lot of crossover on both staffs. We both talked, spoken to a lot of guys on both staffs, and, and they've said you know, everything to the effect of you just said. Like, Let's face it. We, we've heard a lot of excuses from Notre Dame over the years of why they can't do this and why they can't do that. And even when I screenshotted um, your uh, excerpt uh, of Georgia's recruiting rankings versus Notre Dame's yesterday, uh, yeah, there was a good chunk of like, well, we can't get these guys. Well, we can't do this. Oh, well, what what was Clark Lee doing? He's a terrible recruiter. Clark Lee was one of the better recruiters on staff. Um, he was not the problem. I'm not saying he was Marcus Freeman. I'm not saying he rattled Ohio State's cages. But like anyone I talk to on Notre Dame staff says Clark Lee was a very underrated recruiter. He just did not sell himself you know, as that the way so many other people in this business so often tend to do. Uh, I would borrow a quote from your favorite fictional coach, Ted Lasso, um, and say, be curious, not judgmental, uh, especially when it comes to trying to find the right fits. Um, I do think college football in general, from, say, 10 years ago to now, and I think the makeup of high school kids from 10 years ago to now is so different. Like, I don't think... Obviously, Notre Dame wasn't winning 10 years ago the way they are now. So that's a, a not insignificant factor of it, why they wouldn't have been on so many people's radars the way they are now. I'm not dismissive of that whatsoever. But I think in the NIL era, I, I think in this era where you're your own brand when you're 16, 17 years old, and you're like, let's face it, like college kids for the most part, like the general college kid, especially 10 years ago, was only looking to, generally speaking, go out, party, where can I have the most fun, and try to get to the NFL. I think this brand, this generation of high school kids is so much smarter and thinks so much more um, bigger picture uh, when they're making these kinds of decisions. And when you're taking all that into account, regardless of football, which has been pretty damn good at Notre Dame the last five years, like that Notre Dame brand, those connections are real. Like you get that degree, uh, you get Tom Mendoza's and the Tom Mendoza's of the world on the phone. Like, that's real. Like there are so many examples of that. And I think there is a way to use that to your advantage if you're Notre Dame. Like I, I've never thought of this, you know, either or, um, you know, academics or athletics the way I think a lot of kind of old timers at that place still tend to tend to present it as like, I, I, I just think it is, I, don't, I wouldn't say easier, but it's definitely more advantageous for Notre Dame right now to be recruiting this caliber of high school elite prospect than 10 years ago. I agree. It, I mean, it's something Sorbrick, um has intimated in sort of like internal discussions that he f- he feels like the distinctions at Notre Dame are more distinct now than maybe they were 10 years ago. That like, I don't know if Notre Dame has moved in one direction or the rest of college football has moved harder in the other direction. It's pro- I think it, that's probably it. Um, it's probably the latter. Um, but I do, I do think that there is got to be and there is more of an awareness among prospects that like, all right, Notre Dame actually can get you some places that these other places cannot, or at least Notre Dame is more likely to get you to some places that these other places are not. Uh, And that matters now with NIL. Um, I think that matters more with branding Um, that. And and the portal, like 
you're yeah. If you're a semester from graduating, you're going to toughen it out because you want that degree, and then you'll leave. Right. Yeah. I I think it's you know it's probably a conversation for another time. But like if you're somebody like Drew Pine, and you know the staff is sort of all in on Tyler Buckner right now, do you stick around for another year to graduate? I think that you probably do. I mean, it was something that I I even talked to Ian Book about um, a couple weeks ago when I did the story on um, you know Tommy Reese and. I, don't, I didn't put this in there because it didn't really apply, but he he was talking about how once I got to Notre Dame, I knew how rare an experience I was having. And if even if I had never played, I would not have left until I got that degree. Like I wanted a degree so bad um, that I was willing to just sit there and suffer on the bench if I had to. You know, his experience obviously was a lot different. He won 30 games, but... I, I do think that that pro, for most players, not all of them, um, that's going to carry the day here that you're going to stick around, graduate. And now that you can graduate in three and a half years, if you're an early enrollee, you, you can graduate in three um, and have two years of eligibility somewhere else. That makes a hell of a lot more sense to be a freshman, sophomore, junior here, boom, graduate, go somewhere else, play as a senior, fifth year senior than it does to just jump in the portal during your junior year or after your sophomore year. And so that that all, I think, works in Notre Dame's favor. Um, and the ability to sell that a little bit differently, I think Marcus Freeman's personal story, choosing Ohio State over Notre Dame, choosing Notre Dame over LSU and sort of seeing a couple different ways the same story has played out, that, that all is very powerful. Like, And that's... That's why I think Notre Dame is sort of able to rattle Ohio State's cage a little bit now. Well, it, I didn't say it in, in quite as a eloquent or recruitable terms, but like his Jay-Z Lil Nas X analogy he made on our podcast in the summer. Yes. I thought was like kind of got right to what I was trying to say. Just I wasn't as smooth as Marcus Freeman was at saying it. Like they're just – there are advantages and opportunities in Notre Dame that uh, if executed well uh, – don't exist at most other places. I mean, especially in the NIL era. Like I just, mm-hmm. you know, we, we've seen it a little bit with Kyle Hamilton. I, I don't know if we've seen anything mind blowing just yet. I mean, but like I look at a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau at Oregon, like where else but Oregon can you get a deal with Nike? <laughs> yeah. Or, I mean? like or United own, Airlines. Right. Like, um, well, that, that's happened at a couple of Keith Slovis is United okay. Airlines. I mean, United's happened at a couple of places, but I just, okay. like, they're, they're different schools with different advantages. And Notre Dame's one of them where like, Tom Mendoza's wearing your logo on his private jet yeah. to go see your team play. Like, that's pretty badass. That's very badass. And there's a way to take advantage of that and, and recruit to that. And I, I think you know they're doing a better job of, of that. And we'll see where that goes in the next couple of years. I, I'm curious. I mean, you're much better versed in the prospect world than I am. You had the Q and A with uh, or the roundtable with, with Bill Landis or Ohio State writer today. I bring this up just because I was talking to someone uh, around Penn State yesterday, and we were talking about James Franklin's future and this and that. And he said, you know, I'm not so sure. You know, James likes to make sure – he likes to rattle cages. He likes to make sure that wherever he's working is doing everything it can to, to keep up with the Joneses. He goes, he goes, and I get the sense that Penn State thinks – and maybe this is just talking after Saturday when they almost won. But he said, I get the sense that Penn State doesn't see Ohio State right now as this uh, kind of – unstoppable killer the way it was under urban Meyer. Like they're still the hmm. gold standard, but they can be gotten. Um, 
Do you get any sense of that on the recruiting trail? I don't expect Ryan Day to be Urban Meyer recruiting because I don't expect anyone on planet Earth to be like Urban Meyer when it comes to recruiting. But like, is there a noticeable drop off? Because I mean, when I look at the numbers, I don't see it. No, there's not. I mean, the numbers suggest there's no drop off at all, especially a quarterback. Um, you know, this like they're they're signing three Tyler Buckners for Notre Dame's one, and that's. Which, That's, by the way, Ur- Urban was not a great quarterback recruiter. I will say that. No. He no. was laid on everybody. Yeah, JT Barrett's not playing at Ohio State in 2022. Um, so, it's is there a drop-off? I don't – it's marginal at best. I, I think that probably if you're everybody else in college football, you feel like you can go and – go head-to-head with Ohio State maybe a little bit more than you could with Urban Meyer just because of the the mythology of him. Um, you know, Ryan Day is not nearly as intimidating as Urban Meyer, but he's still a really, really good yeah. recruiter as a head coach. Um, you know, Brian Hartline, the receivers coach, is probably the best in the business at his position. Larry Johnson is really good. Uh, the defensive line. So, they, I mean, they have, they've got some killers, um, you know, Tony Alford as well, on the recruiting trail. Uh, but I do think that you know, Ohio State just is not – it's just not as untouchable from a perception standpoint as it was. And I, I think that there's – Ohio State also sort of is, gets hung up on its own state a little bit. Like, clearly that's an issue for them of, like, how many Ohio guys should they be taking? Can they be as national as they were? Should they be as national as they were? Um, but I do think that Ohio State has proven – you can be a Midwest school and recruit nationally, no problem, as Notre Dame wants to do all the time and has to do all the time. So it's, um, I, I, I feel like Notre Dame is more, maybe it's a confluence of events, right? It's like probably Urban Meyer receding from view, Ryan Day, it's like his program now. Also, Notre Dame has this ass kicker and Marcus Freeman on the recruiting trail. That changes things up a little bit too. Um, I think there's a charge from Brian Kelly to the entire staff that, just making the playoff isn't the goal anymore. You have to recruit to a level to win in the playoff. Um, you know, how that translates moving forward, I don't know. But, I mean, Notre Dame's in position to – I don't think they're going to finish in the top five with this recruiting class. But I do think it's going to probably comfortably be their second best recruiting class under Kelly after the the Jalen Smith 2013 group. The Heartline thing, not, not to harp on it too much, it just – Forget all the real serious real life stuff that happened that basically set up Brian Hartline to become the wide receiver coach right. here. Look at how much better that position group is on the field and on the recruiting trail. Like the guy he replaced was the lowest paid and longest tenure guy on that staff, in addition to all the other crap that, that was going on there. And like Urban Meyer couldn't make that upgrade. <laughs> it's like, pretty wild. Brian Hartline might be the next head coach at Ohio State. Like, if I'm handicapping that right now, if Ryan Day goes to the NFL, I would put Hartline up there as good a shot as anyone to be the next head coach there. And it's just crazy. Just because, again, like, you know, brought up with Carnell Tate, but if there's a highly rated receiver in the area, it's like, all right, it's like that Larry Bird slow, like, who's playing for second? Like, it's Ohio State unless something drastic happens. Yeah, and that's, um, I mean, that's why the Carnell Tate thing is so fascinating. It's like, if Notre Dame beats Ohio State for him, like, that's Ohio State's dude. Like, they're not – Carnell Tate is just not a guy that Ohio State likes. They love Carnell Tate. Um, 
as does Notre Dame. Like somebody's going to get their heart broken on that. Um, Ohio State might be able to move on easier than Notre Dame would based on the number of targets and how that receiver room looks. But somebody's getting their heart broken in that recruitment. Um, and neither program is going to be able to just brush it off. But that my point more is basically that would be a head-to-head win against Ohio State against a recruiter who is doing it as well as anybody at any position in the country. Um, and so that's... It's part of the reason why that would be just such a massive get, among other reasons, because he's probably starting for you at least once against Ohio State, if not twice. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yeah, I mean, my prediction when Ryan Day took over for Urban Meyer, predictions wrong term, but I thought. All right, no one's going to recruit nationally the way Urban did. Maybe they'll be a little more receptive to taking chances uh, on in-state kids. And at the end of the day, who's going to hurt from that? Like the Kentuckys of the world, right? Kentucky has built a damn good program on a lot of three-star Ohio prospects that just would never get a look from Urban Meyer. That hasn't really happened. Like Kentucky seems to be doing just fine. They might have their best season ever this year. And Ohio State hasn't seemed to drop off all that much. Definitely not at all on the field since that turnover has happened. Uh, but but they definitely are. I, I can't speak to whether they're more selective or not. But but talking to people around that program, there definitely is a sense of like, yeah, we're not just <clears throat> taking a high four star, five star just to take them. Like we don't want a holes in this building, and we're going to make sure of that. Like we we want we have a way we're going to do things. And that's <clears throat> is that similar to Notre Dame? Probably a little bit. I'm sure Notre Dame's a lot more thorough and a lot more selective in that vetting. But there definitely is a sense of like, all right, it's we're we're not just a factory slotting guys in based on their star ranking right now. Yeah. And also just to be clear, when I say Carnell type might start against Ohio state twice, I'm implying that they would meet in the playoff. Um, I'm aware that Carnell type would not be in the game next year because he's still in high school, but it, <laughs> uh, it just is. Those are, those are just the fights that you got to pick and you got to win them a little bit more if you're Notre Dame. And if you do, do I, I don't, you know, for, for that stat that I put in, <coughs> 
final thoughts about the difference between Notre Dame and Georgia. Like, I'm not saying Notre Dame needs to match Georgia in five-star talent on defense. Like, they just need to be a little bit closer. It's just getting a little bit closer. I think that's – if you're Notre Dame, you're well aware that the point of all this is not to be the favorite in the college football playoff when you make it. It's to have the ability to spring a couple of upsets. And, and right now they just don't have the roster to do it. Um, but the way recruiting is going, I, I could see them getting to a point where they would have a chance to spring that kind of upset. And that that would sort of just – that would change everything around here. I mean, they almost beat them twice. Now they weren't in the playoff. And George is just so fascinating to me. I mean, like that, that defense is just – it's otherworldly right now, and they're starting mm-hmm. to walk on a quarterback, and it might not matter. I, I do think it will eventually matter. Like, if you play Alabama in the SEC championship game, you're going to have to score points. You're not going to completely shut down Bryce Young and those guys. But, you know, that's a program that should win the national title this year, should probably win it in, in several years. They, they've been to less college football playoffs than their team has. <laughs> like, they've mm-hmm. only been there once. Now, they have a much di- more difficult path to the playoff. I'm not diminishing the SEC um, in, in the road to the playoff by any stretch of the imagination. But it's just fast. Like, you look at that. Again, that's why I screenshotted your your um, your excerpt from your Monday column. Like, it's just otherworldly right now how, mu- how, how well they're recruiting. And it really showed up this past week against Florida where, save for two minutes at the end of the half, that might have been, like, a decent enough game where we're not questioning Dan Mullen's capacity to do a head coaching job <laughs> in the aftermath of it. Uh, but Dan Mullen is, I, I don't think Florida's in as bad a shape as it seems. I think Dan Mullen through his own doing and his own words have made it appear to be a lot worse than it actually is right now. But it, it George is just fascinating to me on so many different levels. Cause like that's, I've always thought that could be the best program in the country. Kirby through his recruiting has essentially proven that. And yet so far, they don't have the, the the trophy case to show for it, although it certainly looks like that could change this year. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, Notre Dame actually plays a game this weekend. We haven't really got into that. Mutual um, respect. The, it's Mutual Respect Week. Presented um, by Under Armour. <laughs> exactly. I, I don't have much concern about Notre Dame's performance this weekend. I think that uh, for how much Marcus Freeman has, I think, caught a little bit of static – from Notre Dame fan base over the last couple weeks, this to me feels like a week that Notre Dame will be fine. Um, Marcus Freeman has experience against Navy and the option. Bad experience is, I believe, his first year at Navy. Um, good experience a season later when he absolutely just destroyed them. Uh, and then even last year, they played Army when they were at Cincinnati, and I believe won 24 10. Um, that is, that's what a box score against a triple option team is supposed to look like. If you hold them to low teens, 10 points, you're in good shape. Would not surprise me at all if Notre Dame did that again this weekend, especially the way the offense is playing. This To me, as I knock on wood here, I, I do feel like this is a game that Notre Dame could be up 21 nothing at the end of the first quarter. Um, I, I think Notre Dame has found who it is offensively, and I think defensively, if you said, how does Notre Dame play to his strengths personnel? They would have more defensive linemen on the field and fewer defensive backs. North Carolina and USC don't allow you to do that. Navy demands that you do that. So I, I think that's where this game actually suits Notre Dame quite nicely. I, I will say Navy is two, a 2-6 two football team that has played much better than a 2-6 football team. They lost by 7 to Cincinnati. 
They lost by seven to SMU and by eight to Houston. Those are easily the three best teams of that conference right now. And they beat UCF, who's also a, a pretty good team, and they're coming off a win against Tulsa. It's a better team than it looks. My concern is not with this week, aside from linebacker depth, just because it seems like every time Notre Dame plays Navy, a linebacker goes down, and they just can't afford to have another guy go down with what they've got left as far as healthy bodies on that roster. Um, my concern is, you know, what do they look like? What do their legs look like when they play Virginia the following week, regardless of whether or not Brendan Armstrong plays? It looks like he broke a rib or two um, late in that BYU game. He certainly said, I broke my rib when he came out of that game. Haven't heard an update since. Virginia will also be coming off an open date when they play uh, Notre Dame next week. So that's like, this is a game that would uh, not concern me, but but that that will, whose effect will not be felt uh, in the short term. I think it'll be felt in the long term. But yeah, I think having a defensive coordinator uh, who has defended this team and this, this offense before uh, is essentially a prerequisite for becoming a defense coordinator at Notre Dame at this point. Marcus Freeman has done that at Cincinnati. Uh, the over-under is 47. The spread is 21. Um, I'll let you go first, Pete, but I, I think those are appropriate. Yeah, I like an over, and I like a cover for Notre Dame. I'm 42-13. I, I think that Notre Dame will be ruthlessly efficient through three quarters and then show some mutual respect in the fourth quarter and take their foot off the gas. So 42-13 Notre Dame. We, we've been... I feel like we'll have to go back and look at all. I feel like we've been on the same wavelength throughout the season. I got 42-21 Notre Dame, so that's a push and an over. I, I don't see how they don't get over short of a, a, a snowstorm that I don't see coming quite yet to South Bend this weekend. Um, I think Notre Dame will probably do whatever it wants on offense. Um, they've definitely turned a corner the last two and a half weeks, and they, or two and a half games, and I think this Navy defense is a little bit more inviting to that than North Carolina's and USC's was. Um, I think Navy will get some points just because they're going to have the ball a lot and because inevitably it's, it's, it's a root canal. Like they, they just wear on you and they get they get some um, one way or another. It won't be nearly enough. They won't be able to keep up with Notre Dame. Um, and then we turn our uh, attention to Virginia. Um, we, we don't abide by the one one game, next game is the most important game, the Dodge on this podcast. Hell, we're talking about recruits that won't play for Notre Dame <laughs> for three years. <laughs> Exactly. So I don't yeah, know who'll no. be coaching them then either, but exactly. So yeah, there's. It will be the, t- this weekend. I feel like is a chance for Notre Dame to sort of flex Logan Diggs, Lorenzo Styles, Deion Colsey. Um, maybe Mitchell Evans comes back. Has not played. I believe the last couple of weeks after his targeting at Virginia Tech. Um, you know, can you get Kahanukia at defensive end? Can you get Prince Cowley at linebacker? Um, can Justin Walters at safety do? Get a, a snap or two or ten or twenty. Um, that's that's that should be what is interesting about Saturday. If that's not what's interesting about Saturday, that Notre Dame might be in a little bit of trouble. But I, Notre Dame, I feel like Notre Dame is growing up and maturing at a really rapid rate right now, and that will sh- that will show on Saturday against Navy. Agree completely. Um, be interesting to see how this plays out the rest of the year in regards to the rankings. Be interesting to see. It's kind of related to Notre Dame. I mean, Cincinnati's motive and mindset moving forward, like, you just got essentially told, like, you have no chance whatsoever. Um, I like you, but you're just not for me. What are you going to do about it? Um, if they lose a game between now and that, it's hard to go undefeated. It's hard to go undefeated two years in a row. But I, I do think the way the committee set things up, um, they set things up as such where I think oh, if they have the same record, Notre Dame will be ranked ahead of Cincinnati at this point. 
despite the head-to-head result. That will be a interesting dynamic to sort of see how that plays out, but I think you you may be onto something down the road. So uh, we will be back on Saturday post game, not recording after midnight, so um, our, our takes might be a little less outlandish uh, after Notre Dame Navy. But uh, he's Matt. I'm Pete. We will talk to you again on Saturday after Notre Dame Navy. Thanks for being with us on the latest episode of the Shamrock.